This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Shines out a little bit windy. If that gets too much on the microphone, let me know. Sincerely hope it doesn't. Uh, so it's time for a dog walk. Why have we got a dog walk this morning? Well, first of all, because it's a nice morning, I have to walk the dog. Um, could be doing work at home, got loads and loads on at the moment. I have to walk the dog. He wants it, uh, and that gives me some time to contemplate. And these views up here are absolutely beautiful. And those people who come up here kind of walk down, think, How could you be staring at your phone when you see them? See them twice a day, seven days a week. So um, there we go. Right. What did I want to talk about today? Well, I wanted to talk about Michael Appleton um, because I did some a breakdown of kind of promoted teams and where they tend to finish and uh, and that sort of stuff, just to underline to uh, everybody really that what Michael's achieved, in my opinion, it's all opinion based, but what Michael has achieved is. He's actually significant, and whilst this is perceived to have been a disappointing season, one held up against last season, and is perceived to have been disappointing when some of our home performances we know we could have been better. In actual fact, surviving in League One, and not by the skin of our teeth, we're not a final day. We could end up 10, 12 points outside the, the relegation zone. Actually, that's an achievement for a club like Lincoln City. And we've been blinded by the ongoing success. We're on the upward trajectory. And when that steadies, people kind of, I think, go, whoa, we're not progressing at the moment. And we are progressing. I was at the training ground yesterday. And you can feel the 
the progression that the club's made in the last five years, it hasn't faltered, it hasn't stalled. You know, when we were winning League Two, for instance, it wasn't with players that we could sell to Blackburn Rovers for £500,000. Okay, Harry Toffolo, so actually maybe it was. But you know what I mean? That wasn't that was a kind of a, a one-off, whereas at the moment we're looking at trying to, to move players on. We are looking at developing. We've shifted the whole squad. And that was Michael's remit when he came in. And I wanted to go all the way back to um, the beginning, really. September the 9th, I think it was. 2020. 2019, actually. Danny Cowley leaves the football club. Unprecedented three years of trophy winning, of promotion, of fist pumping, sweet Caroline moments that will remain kind of with me, certainly, and I'm sure with all of you for the rest of your life. Because it was a truly tremendous time to be a Lincoln City fan. We came from what many believe was the depths of hell, losing at home to Salisbury and Welling and Woking. Desperately having to buy tickets for an away game from a post office in, in North Ferriby to where Danny took us. Top two in League One, I think, when he left. Just got beat 3-1 by Wickham. And you thought, it's a big ass. And it's been done before. Successful managers have left the football club before. Um, Graham Taylor left the football club. After the promotion, the, the record-breaking promotion of 1976, relegated two years later. Um, I think we might have been relegated a year after he left. He leave at the end of 77, and we were relegated in 79, so two years, and we were relegated. Colin Murphy almost put us in the championship, didn't he? So close, that final game against, against Fulham, and then... He left the club. Relegated. Yeah, they are. Two years later, relegated out of football league. And he came back, picking up from the dynasty. He's not easy. Don't believe me. David Moyes taking over from Alex Ferguson. Whatever the chap's name was that took over from Arsene Wenger. Yeah, and okay, Fergie and Wenger are world-class managers. These are big clubs that should have recruited better. It's not easy for Lincoln City to do that. But when a dynasty has been created, it's easy to see it fall apart almost instantaneously. You know, Graham Taylor, after he left the football club, it was, we were not in a good place. And, and fans would then go back to the Taylor era and they would compare it to the new era. And the new era was shit. And the Taylor era was great. And the club's in decline. But Murphy came in turned it around, then Murph left and the club was in decline, it was relegated out of the Football League, so it's incredibly hard to replace these legends and actually John Schofield did a good job after coming in after Keith for one year, for just one year but within 18 months he was gone so when you think about the top managers that Lincoln City have had, certainly of a generation I mean, you can go back to Bill Anderson which is a, is a little bit different, when you think about the top managers that Lincoln City have had, the dynasties and the teams that you think, that was a great team, very very rarely if at all has a manager come in on top of a previous manager's achievement and matched it, John Schofield John Dean, the only one and, and six months later, six months after they took us to the playoffs and crumbled, arguably that was based on a good six months 
And none of those managers, by the way, have won three trophies in three years. None of those managers have had two promotions in three years. None of those managers had taken a club that was averaging two to two and a half thousand supporters and made them average eight and a half thousand supporters. They hadn't galvanised the city. Let's not underestimate what Danny and Nicky Cowley did. And for me, sometimes it feels a little bit dirty, almost recognising that now because Michael's once had to come in and take over. And when the next manager comes in, you can, people will start looking more favourable a huge group of people who immediately were comfortable sort of you cannot take away from what they did look at the training ground yesterday it's now Michael's training ground but he still has he still has the foundations of Bruce which you plan Bruce those Bruce and Royce that's what Danny and Nicky did Michael had to come in completely change the whole structure upon which the roots you know the, the roots were there but he had to change the direction of the of the entire growth because First season he comes in, I mean, it's a curtailed COVID season. Aging players coming to the end of their contracts. It was going to be tough for us to sustain just the top, top kind of couple of places. And we were doing well uh, early, in that part, early in that season. But we had, remember, when Danny left, just lost two or three, three or four in a row for the first time since he had been with us. So, you know, there was, there was warning signs that he wasn't going to be as much of a success because we were punching in a different league. National League, we were the big boys. We were the ones with a little bit of cash to splash. Certainly in the second half of our promotion season, we weren't the richest, but we were a long way from the poorest. And then on the back of the FA Cup run and the Check and Trade Trophy win, you could say the same again, couldn't you? That you know, we put some money in the bank, we were able to go out and bring in John Akindi. We don't care what your thoughts of John Akindi are. Signing him at the point we did was a coup. Um, we won the title. He scored 15 goals, whatever. You know, I, I don't think that's particularly bad. I don't think he was the player we had hoped. But the point is we were able to go and bring him in. We were able to bring in loan players like Mark O'Hara, who, you know, these are not cheap loan players. These are, we're, not, we're fishing in different waters. League One is different. He's savvy. And Michael had a reputation for developing players. It's all well and good to say we could have gone for the guy at Newport County, Mike, uh, Mickey Flynn. Not for me. We could have gone with Gareth Ainsworth. What you would have got there is just a robust, kick it up in the air kind of um, outlook to the game. Probably the only other option. We had two options. We either go for coaching, young players, nice football development, or we go for kick it up in the air, um, you know, up and out, um, nasty, horrible side. That's what Wickham are. Great when you're winning, awful when you're losing, awful. And having had a conversation, I seem to remember with Dan and Nick, I can't remember if it was after they went or not. Dan said to me, Danny said to me, it was important that we changed the way that we played in League One, hence the signing of the likes of Jack Payne and George Grant, because fans need something to cheer. That can be two things. That can be wins. So in League Two, it was fine because we had the money and the resources to be able to compete at the top end in terms of players. So when it came to keeping fans entertained, it was wins. And we all talk about the Torquay win, for instance, uh, a couple of Easter, a few Easter's ago now in the National League. And we talk about that as being a great day. Yeah, It's not repeat history. It was a great result. It was a great three-minute spell. It was a shit game. For 86, 87 minutes, it was awful. We were tired. We were dead on our feet. 
but it wasn't pretty free-flowing football. Gateshead, we talk about that as being one of those brilliant moments, great moment, awful game, never at the races over that, but it was a great set of results. And you can bring that forward really into League Two where we talk about, you know, beating Forest Green or um, stuff like that and people, oh, they, they were good. But actually, when it didn't work in League Two, fans already started grumbling. Oldham, when we drew one all after they had a guy sent off in the first half, and, or 2-2, two, two, I can't remember, it might have been one all. You know, the next day, Danny kind of wanted some positive publicity on the back of it because he said, you know, what the fans want, we're still competing at the top of the table. I get that. League One, didn't have that likelihood, that, that result. We didn't have the better players to be able to grind out some of the results. So Dandy knew that he needed to be able to play better football because we might not be winning games, but you have to keep fans entertained. So would you rather lose games playing nasty football or lose games playing good football? That was, yeah, He wasn't saying we were going to lose every game, but there was going to be more defeats. And if you have more defeats, it's going to be harder to defend a certain style of football. So that was why I think we went with Michael over Gareth Ainsworth. So Michael came in and he had the go with the, with the greatest respect. I mean, this he had the ghost of the Cowleys still stalking the halls. He had some of the Cowleys players who, you know, would instantly not have been receptive to some of the ideas. But I'm not saying that was 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 all of the squad. I'm not saying that it was a huge chunk of the squad. I'm saying that there would have been a section of the playing squad who were Danny's boys. Jason Shackle, for instance, one of Danny's boys. Bad his generals there. It was a tough, tough ask to come in. And the decline that season and the ultimately kind of being safe was, you know, it was a tough turnaround. That January was brutal, wasn't it? You know, with players going like Akindi, like, um, like Harry Toffolo and players coming in like Teo Eden and Anthony Scully and oh, you'll never win anything with kids and and, you know, we'd gone on that run just before Christmas and then the players started leaving we'd, off the back of that run and we went on a stinking run through February and went to Accrington and it was 4-3 and we showed all of the characteristics that this season we've seen as well, you know, the ability to attack and the ability to score goals when, when the right players are on the field, but the inability to defend. And then that 3-2 win against Burton, I thought, made us safe. And as it was, COVID did the rest. Tough, tough time. Then that summer, it was a bit of a blessing for Michael because a lot of clubs were scrabbling around to make significant changes. He'd already started doing that in January. But let's not take away from what we achieved last season at all. Financial fair play, the, the, the wage cap helped us because it was more of a level playing field. Clubs couldn't go out and sign 20 players and just see which ones stuck. And you, you think about Ipswich this season in the likes of Norwood and Joe Piggott and players like that who almost certainly would have been ones that we would have liked to have seen at Lincoln who have sat around at Ipswich with very little involvement and they could have garnished almost any other League One team. But the stripping away of the wage cap kind of allowed that this season. Last season it did not. Yeah, we got lucky with a couple of loans. But again, let's not kind of, let's not wear our rose-tinted glasses when we're talking about Brennan Rogers and uh, Brennan Rogers, Brennan Johnson and Morgan Rogers. Morgan Rogers scored six goals in 20 something appearances. Morgan Whitaker scored five in 15. Morgan Rogers is an insanely talented footballer. Didn't turn up for every game. People were on his back. Now we look back and we kind of say, oh, I did really well. Brennan Johnson, I heard Mark Wiley on the, uh, the Echo on the radio say, you can't sign a lone player like Brennan Johnson that turns up week in, week out and does it every week. Brennan didn't. 
he was a very, very good footballer. But there were times where he was getting criticised. I remember it on social media because I remember defending him because his dad joined in. His dad was, his dad wouldn't comment massively, but he would always like the comments. So we got lucky with some of our loans, but it wasn't, you know, we, we didn't finish in the playoffs because we had Brennan Johnson. We finished in the playoffs because it was a, a team effort. And some players that we had this season were key players in that year. The likes of Lewis Monsma, the likes of TJ Ioma, the likes of Conor McGrandles and Tom Hopper. So, you know, again, last season, let's not kind of look at it from a negative point of view, I mean, and say, well, the lone player's got us there. It wasn't just that. Also, those lone players have got to be attracted to the club. What attracts these lone players to the club? Michael Appleton, the training ground, Jez George. Michael Appleton. Who was it was on the radio the other day? Jamie Robson, possibly. I think it was Jamie Robson saying after the game that what attracted you, you know, one of the things that attracted me to Lincoln City was Michael develops younger players. Was it Jamie Robson? It might not be. Last Sorensen said it in a, I was with um, uh, some of the Priory School yesterday afternoon. Uh, and, and we spoke to Lass Sorensen. He said, you know, Michael Appleton was what attracted me here. Whatever your comments of Lass are, I'm not, not interested in that at the moment. I can come here and I can work with a manager who develops players. And it was interesting because um, Luke Jelly was there as well. And he was talking about kind of the, the specialist plans that get incorporated for these footballers. And that Michael incorporates elements of individual kind of needs in training patterns. And then the players can come in. Like yesterday was a Wednesday. The players weren't there. Lass was there. He was there doing some intensive work on a certain part of his fitness and his game with Luke Jelly, with the sports science team. And that, that kind of developing players. I'm not saying that was in contrast to what we did under Danny and Nicky. It wasn't. Of course it wasn't. Harry Toffolo came through. George Grant came through. So it wasn't in direct contrast. We need to do more of it. We need more Teo Edens. We need more kind of Sean Rowan's moving on. We need more Anthony Scully's being linked with players. Lewis Monsmas. You've got it. It's the way that you progress. Rotherham, Peterborough, they've done it by bringing players in, developing them, selling them on, moving up. It's our Brentford are in the Premier League now, and we were playing them in, in the fourth division 13, 14 years ago. 15, maybe. Maybe a bit more. But that's why we were playing them at that level. And they inqu- okay, they're in London. They get bigger crowds. I get that. So this season, one that people kind of are saying, you know, Michael had to go. A number of times I read that after a game. He's got to go. And I'm not, I'm not here preaching. I'm not here saying that opinion's wrong. You're entitled to your opinion. I get that. The reason I disagree with it, first of all, the article I've done, the stats prove three years of this division is an achievement for a promoted League Two club. You know, very few go up. Most come down, what was it, 24 out of the 40? 22 out of the 40? And to this year, any combination of four will make it 26 out of 44. So more than half the teams that promoted out of League Two are relegated back into League Two. Many, Most of those, on average, is, is within the first three seasons. So the fact that we're three seasons deep and have not been relegated is an achievement. When you factor in COVID, when you factor in that we're not a club that have come out of League Two who shouldn't be in League Two. So you look at some of the teams that came through, Coventry, out of League Two, through League One. Big club though, Coventry. 
you know, when they dropped into League One, it was it was eyebrow raising. Traditional Championship club, Luton Town. You know, I grew up with Luton Town being in the first division. Okay, they've been all the way down to the National League. Fair play to them for going back. A decent sized club, probably one of the ones you could expect. Bankrolled clubs do well to go straight through. Burton Albion, for instance, you know, well bankrolled straight through. Not easy. So, an achievement there for Michael. Then take into account the summer. The short summer for us. So there were players, I'm, I'm kind of told that there were players that we wanted to sign that we couldn't commit to because we didn't know which division we were going to be in. A lot of team seasons finished around kind of the first weekend of May. We had to wait another four weeks for our season to finish. By that time, we'd lost ground on, on, on teams. Um, and one or two of the players I think that we did sign were not amongst our first choices. And I know had we gone up, had we gone into the championship, Teo Eden would likely have stayed. We could have potentially had Randall Williams. We were in for Josh Bowler at Blackpool, who's done phenomenally well this season. So, tough summer in terms of the depth, because there was only a couple of weeks off. And having played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, almost every week from, from January right the way through to the beginning of May, we then give those fatigued players just four weeks till they're back in um, pre-season training. So Michael comes back in to an injury crisis. Now, I'm not saying that's purely to blame, and there'll be people who say, oh, well, these players, that we've signed Crocs. Not, not factually correct. There are one or two players we've signed in the past who have had dubious injury records we've taken a punt on. One of those being Neil Erdley, which went well. One of those being Mickey O'Connor, which went well. But there's several here in this squad now who people class as crocs who who probably not Joe Walsh didn't have the best injury record when he came to us that I can see. People saying Chris Maguire was a croc joke. Absolutely not. Played a majority of the games for his clubs over the last few years. People saying Adam Jackson was a croc. Not not true again. Missed a lot of games from for Barnsley, but not by his own choice because he was dropped. Ted Bishop, somebody you could probably say is a croc, who hadn't put in a, a, a full season up until last season for Ipswich, has played 30 however many games for us this season. So, easy saying we've signed crocs. Not factually correct. And there has to be some mitigating factors. Maybe there are one or two players who do push themselves overly hard in training. Maybe there are one or two players that do not help themselves by being, you know, full throttle. We don't pick up an awful lot of injuries in training. We do pick up some. You know, injuries are not all unfortunate. Some of them are avoidable, but you look at some of the ones that we've had this season. Concussion, you know, how do you legislate for concussion three times? How do you legislate for a player not landing correctly and doing his ACL? It happens. Mickey Hines, speaking to him yesterday, said one of the most common injuries that he has is a rolled ankle. Just from, you go to land in one way, you land slightly differently, rolled ankle, and it's an injury, and it's not something that can be trained. So I'd say you land properly. I can be walking... Sorry, the sun's really awkward here. I can be walking this track and slightly roll my ankle just... And it's nobody's fault. So Michael's had to contend with an unbelievable amount of injuries. And when you look at the players that we've had out at any one time, 24 different combinations across the back four or the back five, depending on how you want to look at it, in 44 games. 24. Most of those 
most of those due to injury. And if you factored in FA Cup games, that would be more because Sean Rowan obviously involved against Bowers and Pitsy. Probably if you factored in the EFL trophy games, it might even be more than that. Then you've got to think about Michael's personal situation over the summer. So not only has he got to pick up a team that have suffered playoff heartbreak, not only has he got to work with players who went into that game knowing that they were struggling with injury. Joe Walsh, I think, said he knew by playing in the playoff final that he would be injured for a while after that. You know, it's, it's not only has Michael got to contend with that, he then has his, his own health scare which affects recruitment, no doubt. He's away for two weeks. We've got a recruitment team, but the manager not being there, the pressure that I'm still put on him, they've been huge. And yet we go into the season in a division with six or seven former Premier League clubs in a division with no wage cap, with all the pundits saying Lincoln will be top six. By the way, I didn't. All the pundits said that's where we'll be, top six pressure from the off. So all the fans reading that, even those who kind of think no, that won't be the case. There is that expectation being built up, not by the club, not from the club, but from outside influences. We haven't lived up to that expectation placed upon us by others. We haven't lived up always to the expectation placed upon us by me, by you, by Fans who want to see a certain style of football and, and Accrington and, and Hartlepool and Doncaster at home and Gillingham at home. You know, they have been games that have not been good. I'm not I'm not looking at those games and kind of pitching those single instances in into a whole kind of um, narrative saying, well, they could have been avoided if, 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 if. You know, one or two players didn't turn up when we went to Shrewsbury, it showed. So I'm not defending everything this season. But I am quite... I do that, the sun don't get you too much. But I am quite passionate about the fact that now we are safe. So it's easy to say. It's almost like having hindsight. I'm quite passionate to say when we're safe that actually Michael's achievement this season isn't bad at all. It's not bad at all. Working with between 60% and 70% of his players on any given Saturday isn't easy. But when, you, you know, when you're one of the smaller spending teams and not Ipswich... It shows young Freddie Draper, big, big hope for the future. But he was our first choice number nine just before Christmas. How how do you legislate for that? Dan Underloo didn't work out. When you look at the boy, huge, big, physical specimen. It should be the type of player who puts himself about, struggled to adjust. You can't predict a player struggling to adjust. People criticised Luis Fiorini in the, for his slight loss of form in the middle of the season, which he did have. Outstanding for other periods. But people were quick to judge him on three-game period, not forty-four-game period. If you ask me now, is Luis Fiorini's loan been a success? I'd say yes, a resounding success. I'd say the same about Morgan Whitaker. Five goals, critical goals as well. His involvement in the Oxford game brought us three points in that. In my opinion, he scored. I think he created the other. He was electric. He scored against Charlton, a game which we won by a single goal. So you could argue it's at that point that goals were two points. And he was critical in us beating Cheltenham as well. You could argue that Morgan Whitaker has, and there are always other players on the pitch, that his actions have almost been directly kind of responsible 
for us picking up nine points where we might only have had three, six points. Take six points off us now. We're in the relegation mire. So has his, has his loan been a success? Yeah. Yeah, it has. What do you think of the boy? If we sign him next season, it'd be a superb signing. Why? Because Michael Appleton does develop players. He does bring the best out of players. And we'll think we've seen that with a few players this season. I think what Michael tends to do is play players for a while. And somebody might have been, um, my friend Chris mentioned it the other day in the pub, that players then seem to disappear for a while. And people go, oh, why is he out of favour? Is he out of favour? Or has he disappeared for a while? Because Michael's seen him in action and wants to work on certain aspects of his game. And then when he comes back in, he's a different player. And Luis Fiorini is an example of that. He began to lose form. Fans were beginning to get on his back. Michael took him out for a few weeks. When he came back in, he's been excellent ever since. Jamie Robson. Specifics about Jamie Robson that Michael didn't like, that he mentioned in press interviews. He'd struggled to adapt to this. His energy levels later on in the game. Watch him against Cheltenham. Different player. Different player. Now, look, this looks like a Michael Appleton appreciation video. I get that. I make no secret of the fact I like, I like him as a person. I like his no-nonsense attitude. I like to comment. I think it was Jordan Brown on Facebook a few nights ago about Michael. He said, you're contrasting Michael and Danny, and it should never be about contrasting Michael and Danny. I think that that is lazy, but also inevitable. But contrasting Michael and Danny, Danny would tell people, what they wanted to hear a lot of the time. And that's not to say that's a negative. He knew what the crowd and the fans needed to hear. And he would tell them that, even if it wasn't always the case, he would say, he would paint things in a certain light. Yeah, we were always the underdogs. Or, and he was very good at that. It's not a criticism of Danny's style at all. Michael's style's very different. He just tells you exactly how it is. And people don't always like that. They don't. And it's not always the case. You know, did we ever find out exactly how it was with, with Lee Frecklington? Probably not. You know, no manager makes the, the decisions that every, no manager's decision pleases every time. And there are things that Michael's done around the club or with the team that I'd look at and go, well, I didn't agree with that, but I'm not the football manager. I'm just a guy who sticks a phone in his face and talks about football while he's walking his dog. What do I know? I haven't kept Lincoln City in League One for three years on the bounce, have I? Michael Appleton has, and his coaching team, and his staff. And that is an achievement. It's an achievement in itself. And people say about, you know, oh, I can't always look about where we've come from. But you do kind of have to, because progress for a club isn't just on the field. It's off the field as well. And off the field stuff you know, doesn't always get you wins. Improving the training ground, people will go, oh, it's not worth three points. Why are we spending money on that? Spend it on a new striker. Get the training ground, right? The players come. Players like it. You know. like Yesterday, again, Alan was talking about Brook Norton Coffee. He said, if you go to Brook Norton Coffee, say, do you want to move to Lincoln City? A year ago, he probably goes, they were Lincoln City. He said, oh, well, go and have a look at their gear. So if they go up to Lincoln City, and, and last mentioned it about MK Dons, let's say that he goes to MK Dons and Lincoln. He goes to their stadium. It's a great stadium. It's right where to train. They train on a community pitch. So they drive to the stadium at MK Dons, and then they get in their cars, and they go off to a pitch, and they train, and they come back. That's how it was when last was there. I'm not sure if it is now or not, because they're a club where that goes on the players. Working from now, fair enough, but is it sustainable long-term? Who knows? They've been in the championship before and came out pretty quick, spent a lot of money trying to get back out of League One, ended up in League Two. Boom and bust. But they've got the rich benefactor, so it doesn't matter. 
spend, 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 write the check for the owner. I think that was what used to happen at Sunderland with Ellis Short. That worked out well for him, didn't it? And then you come to Lincoln City. So Brook Norton, Brook Norton Coffee's been to MK Dons, turned up at the the uh, stadium and then had to get in his own car and drive to a community pitch. Now oh, we train on here, but at a minute, you know, this under 15 team are playing on there and then we get in our car and go again. Nice. Turns up at Lincoln, comes to the ground. Yeah, the ground's all right. Let's be honest, we like it, but facilities wise, it's not up there with MK Dons. We don't need 25,000 seats, neither today. Um, I will go to the training ground now because you'll be at the ground on a Saturday, but you'll probably not be there any other day of the week. Oh, why is that? We're not going to a community pitch. No, we're going to a purpose-built training ground with three pitches, with a gym, with a changing room, with a communal room for video analysis, with plans I would almost certainly guarantee to eventually expand even further. So it attracts Brook Norton Coffee. That training ground only gets built on. The building might take a year. Then it might take a year for it to be settled in. Four years ago, it opened, and we're seeing the rewards of it now. So not all progress is we've lost to Gilling and Michael Appleton has to go. And not all progress is just down to the manager either. This is a club. We're a football club. We don't get rid of Michael Appleton. And then I saw some of the ridiculous suggestions. Steve Evans would keep us up. Neil Warnock. My word. They're the sort of appointments that get you into trouble. So, yeah, this is pro club. Whatever. I'm a Lincoln City fan. I see the positives in Lincoln City. I see the positives in Michael Appleton. I see the negatives in some of the performances. Losing at home to Portsmouth. Oh, it was a miserable, miserable day. You know, I remember losing 4-1 under Danny at home to Crew. It stung because it was only two. We only lost two or three at home all season. It really hurt. You know, this year, you kind of you've turned up to games almost with a sick sense of dread. I had it on Saturday. Somebody said to me, what are we going to do? Oh, Monday. What are we going to do in Cheltenham? Draw. People are like, no, we'll win this. The ever, ever the optimists say we'll win this. Didn't feel like we would because, because we've been conditioned to expect home struggles. We've been conditioned to expect you know, draws with Shrewsbury and defeats against Doncaster and you know, even the big clubs, Wigan. It means when we do win, Sheffield Wednesday, it feels like we've won a bloody cup game. We're in League One now. It's right saying we had a great, a great record at home in in League Two. But you're playing Forest Green, you're playing say no disrespect to Forest Green, but you're playing smaller clubs and we had a better budget. In this division we haven't. Yeah, okay, so we've disappointed against clubs we should have beaten and impressed against clubs we shouldn't have beaten. But for me, that shows that there's plenty to build upon because if we can beat clubs who are bigger than us with better players and with more resources. It's the manager's job now to find a way to beat the, play, to the the smaller clubs. And I would say that's easier than finding a way to start winning games as a whole. We've got the basis, the building blocks. It's right the way back to Danny and Nicky's roots, doesn't it, that I mentioned at the top of the video. I just think there's a lot to be, re to be positive about. Now that we've stayed up and it's easy, look, let's say that results didn't go our way. We lost a couple of others. Very, very fine line between success and failure. And if we were here talking about relegation back to League Two, I'd be looking at these positives through slightly different eyes, wouldn't I? Really easy to um, to be positive after the fact. And I know Kev, I don't know if Kev Barwise is watching, he certainly was at the minute, but I remember Kev saying you know, we're in a relegation battle back in October and kind of poured scorn on that. We're not in a relegation battle. We were, I was wrong. But at the same time, and possibly not care for other people saying we're going down, that's now wrong as well. Your opinion is always there to be challenged. Um, I'll always alter an opinion or admit where my opinion has been wrong in the past. But 
you know, I believe that we're in a decent place as a football club. That's an opinion I've had all season. Facts, <laughs> events may have may have made that look more foolish, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change my opinion. Had we gone down, I would still have this opinion about the football club, but it would have been harder for me to uh, to argue it. Okay, so let's look back over some of the comments because every time I turn and away from the sun, you don't get a good video experience. And those listening on the podcast, this one will be made available on the podcast, by the way. Many of them now after I film them on Podbean, but I think this is an important talk, so I want people to be able to listen to this on the podcast as well. Uh, so you've said good morning, James Atkin, Chris Graham. Steve Rowland has interrupted his Half Man, Half Biscuit fest to listen. So this had better be good. Great band, Half Man, Half Biscuit. Huge fan. Lee Curtis, gorgeous morning, Gary. Not as gorgeous as in your full kit. Yeah, cheers, Lee. Can you see Marcus staying? Because clearly he gets it here. He does get the fan thing. I understand that. I'm not sure whether he stays. I'm not so sure. He hasn't been playing as regularly. I just, we do still, I think we, we we may need a centre forward, but if he comes in, does that then mean that either Ben House or Charlie Kendall don't get to play? Got Freddie Draper as well. Depends if Tom Hopper stays. If Tom Hopper doesn't leave the club, we probably don't sign John Marquis. Um, he does get it. He'll go around, he'll applaud. Everyone loves to see that. But as I've said a lot of times, that doesn't get you points. And he scored, what, two goals in 15 games. Then he was more than Whitaker. Something to ponder on. Uh, JP, uh, last season was artificial. What Michael has built this year makes me look forward to next season with optimism. Yep, me too. Absolutely. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think you've got to be optimistic when you start in League One and you know that there are teams that you should be better than you know, if we, we start next season. You know you've got Shrewsbury, you know you've got Accrington, you know you've got some of the teams coming up, you know you've got Cheltenham, you know you've got Cambridge. These are teams that I think that arguably we we can probably sell Lincoln City better than Cambridge can sell Cambridge United or Cheltenham can sell Cheltenham Town and not devaluing what they do. They're, you know, Mark Bonner, very good manager, Mickey Duff, great manager. Um, but as a club, I think we can market ourselves in a, at, a, at a better level. So if recruitment's good, I feel optimistic. Adam Ball, if you went about 10 years and that's any input, like four seasons in League One, they'd have snapped your fingers off. Yes, I would. I hope you don't invent the time machine because you will be fingerless. Harry Jackson, morning, Gary. Although we haven't progressed up the table or in the playoffs like last season, we're at least still in League One and can come back next season with another chance to look forward to next season and what it brings. Agreed? Um, beauty of football, isn't it? It always starts again. Uh, Kate, hi Gary, the way I look at it is regardless of how some bad players were this year we achieved safety, that's all, Appleton did that so fair enough, one of the reasons I respect Kate um, outspoken by her own admission controversial by her own admission never shapes an opinion or, or always willing to admit if an opinion that she's expressed uh, is proven wrong, for instance I know kind of was anti Appleton when he signed and then kind of sort of you know held hand held her hands up in in the summer. So I respect that. Kev Barwise, despite the lowly finish position in Imps have beaten Sunderland away, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Charlton Wigan away, results I'd never thought I'd seen in the EFL fixture. So Michael deserves great credit for that. Hundred percent. Good morning to Andy Blackburn. JP again in my view last year shows that if all things are equal, we have one of the best managers in the division. When he speaks, you listen. When he speaks you listen and you know you're being told the truth, in my opinion. Steve Turner, morning. Think sentimentality in some of our fans has led to a sense of disappointment. We're playing at a higher level. We do well to achieve results. We have Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, etc. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a sense of entitlement, and I don't mean that 
in a negative way. There is some entitlement in a, in a, in a negative way. But I think that things like Pundit saying top six, I think going to Wembley last year, and so many fans, by the way, missing out on that experience. I think there's an element of that in the anger this season as well, that we had such a good year last year, but we weren't able to see it. That when the same didn't happen this year, it's almost like we've missed out on it. Whose fault is it? It's the manager's fault, not repeating it again. It's, you know, I think there's a psychological element to that. Um, last year was brilliant, but we didn't feel a massive part of it all the time. And the club did what they could. And so that disassociation that people felt, commented on feeling early on in the season, did come, I think, from not tearing teams apart as we had been doing. But not because we'd been found out. That's a very shallow thing to say in that, you know, oh, Lincoln have been found out. People say that about John Schofield in uh, 2008, 09, or 07, 08, found out. And I said that as well. But people discover a way to play against you. You've then got to do one of two things. Either get enough points in your style to, to maintain your form or to, to stay in your league or adapt. And I think towards the end of this season, we did begin to adapt. The three at the back, for instance, against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, so I'd see that. Kate, if Steve Evan never gets appointed, I guarantee you'd lose 20% of the fans attended, no questions asked. Yeah, I don't think I'd stop going, but I wouldn't back the manager. Keith Fletcher, anyone who's just Steve Evans should be banned from Tinsel Bank. Agreed. Mr. Langham, totally respect what Appleton's achieved over three years. I just want more passion shown on the touchline from the bench to get the 12th man involved. I, I understand that. I've always kind of said that, you know, Fans pay to go to watch the game and you kind of engage. It's like, I don't, it's hard, isn't it? You pay to go to the cinema and, you know, whether it's good or bad, some people stay and watch the film, but other people, if it's bad, won't watch the film. So I think what you're saying is you want to see Michael kind of g people up on the touchline. Unfortunately, that isn't his personality. And, and it kind of plays into that, I was saying earlier, that you know, Danny tells fans what they wanted to hear to get an outcome. Michael just tells it how it is so that fans are informed. And I think you know, he's not that type of person. It won't happen. It won't happen. Um, and I understand how people like that and want that. I've always said he doesn't get you three points. Maybe it does. Torquay, a couple of years ago, I've already mentioned that. Maybe it does get you three points. Maybe that is just something that you know, we have to kind of I can sort of see that, that Michael doesn't do. He's a passionate man. Seeing him celebrating a couple of goals, but you know he's a... A studious man. He's not always in the fourth official's ear. How many times has Michael been booked or sent off on the touchline? Uh, Mr. Biddles, morning, guys. Hope you're well, mate. I am. Ian Dovey spoke to a season ticket holder yesterday. I had no idea that the last time we were in Division Two was 1961. Excuse me, Les Dorney. I Les. Much to look forward to next season. House Wright, Long, Kendall, Rowan, Monsma, Draper, with two or three players away from a very competitive team. We are, I think, three players away from. Um, a competitive team with a spine away. We are a reliable 44-game centre-back uh, in the Adam Jackson mould, but fitter, playing 44 games a season. Uh, we're a Liam Brickfoot figure in midfield away. And, and I've also liked said the likes of Tom Naylor, Jordan Houghton, somebody like that. You know, 26 to 29 years old, been playing football at this level for five years or so, holding midfield, all that sort of stuff. That's what I think uh, we are. And then possibly um, a centre-forward, possibly. And you get that kind of middle going, and then you can put the young branches on it and excite. 
Ryan Whelan, Michael has been fighting with his hands tied behind his back due to injuries and still kept us up. Top half if Britt could play 25 plus games. Agreed. And if we'd had a settled back four. Harry Jackson, I remember seeing an article where we could raid Man City for their youngsters. Who do you think we could get on loan? I haven't looked, if I'm honest, at the Man United, uh, Man City squad, the youth squad. You know, you can't look at the ones that you know about. So I saw somebody say, oh, Rory Delap or something. It's not going to happen. There will be the players who are just under the radar. They might have been out on loan this season. Probably not in our division. They may have been out as Luis Fiorini has abroad. I haven't seen. They may be players that have been playing for their reserves and impressing. I think it's like called Oscar Bob, who you kind of fits the bill. We're going to be looking for technical young players. So we're not going to, I don't think we're going to sign a centre-back from Man City. You're going to be looking at midfielders, possibly who can play eight, or you're going to be looking at wingers who can beat a man. Because that's the, we, we missed that technical flair, certainly before Christmas uh, in wide areas. Hakiba Delica was meant to provide it, hasn't. Morgan Whitaker's meant to provide it when he came on loan. Um, has in some games, hasn't in others. Scully, when he was injured at the end of the uh, end of September, we kind of missed him as well. So you know, you've got to look for that technical ability, that pace. Pace is something we've lacked. But slow and laboured at times because the key players, again, the pacey players, have either been injured or you know, have not been um, not been on form. So like Adelica and like uh, like Morgan Whitaker not being on form at all uh, at times, or we lost some like uh, like Zeddy. And then we saw what, what happened when Cohen Bramwell came into the side pace. And you know, he was somebody that play, people were mentioning as player of the year, whereas there's potential coming behind Paul for player of the year. Whereas you know, back in December, when we drew at Cheltenham and it was his header back across goal, people were saying that's the end of his Lincoln City career. So fine lines. You know, we just need that. That, I think, is where we'll go for the Man City, Man City loans. Look, thank you very much for watching. Um, Subject I'm really passionate about actually is the manager. I am happy um, to point out when I don't think things have gone well for what my opinion is worth. I think if you do step back and look at the overall picture, and, and I'm not saying look at 2016 and go, oh, we went to Woking on the first day of the season, expected to lose, because it's a while ago now. But when you, you look at Michael's reign as a whole, what Michael has achieved, three years in League One, was in the playoffs brought us through the, the COVID pandemic, overhauled the squad completely. And people were saying things like, this is one of the weakest squads we've had for years earlier in the season. Well, what a load of tosh. It's really not, because he's competing in League One. And, and for all of the ability that the 2016-17 team had, and they were a good team, you know, with your, your Nathan Arnolds and your Matt Reed and Rags and um, Alex Woodyard, that team in this division now wouldn't survive. And and so, is this squad one of the poorest we've had for five years with that in respect? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. In terms of where it ranks in amongst its peers, you could perhaps argue that there have been more teams come to the, to the bank this season that you say they have a better squad than us than there has been at any time in the last five years. But I don't think that's a reflection on our squad as much as it is on a, a reflection on the Sheffield Wednesdays and Ipswiches and Wiggins and Sunderlands and Portsmouth who have had money to spend. So I just think there's plenty of reasons still to be cheerful. And football can turn quickly. In a year's time, I might be talking about how we've just had four years in League One and it was a good run. 
might be promoted to the championship, might be on the cusp of playoffs. More likely, battling around mid-table. Again, never quite safe from relegation, never quite out the playoff race, in my opinion, until late February, early March, and the playoff becomes unachievable. And in late March, relegation becomes unlikely. And people might say we're stagnating. But I'd rather stagnate in a bath full of tenors than a bath full of pennies. And that's what stagnation in League One is. You've always got a chance to get out and better yourself. Whereas you stagnate in League Two. I spent half my life watching Lincoln City stagnate in League Two. Still found joy in it. Still found reasons to be cheerful. And that's something that I think that you can all take away. Whatever the last two results bring us. Mike Lapton's done a good job at this football club. Continues to do a good job as well. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.